I'm ready. <laughs> we need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Ah, dear listener, welcome back yet again. Episode 286, the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about news and politics and sex and religion. And I, of course, am Trevor, a.k.a. the Iron Fist. With me, as always, Scott the Velvet Glove. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Paul. G'day, Joe. G'day, listeners. Hope we, you're all well. Do you, and want, do you want to give us a job update? Well, I'm, no. still, I'm still on the dole, which mm. is getting very frustrating because there's this job down the Gold Coast in Rabina that they keep saying that, um, oh, yeah, he's the lead candidate, blah, 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 blah. But now they want me to go through another interview. Right. Which I said to the agent, I said, look, that's no problem, but you've got to bear in mind that I'm being interviewed tomorrow for a job up in Mackay, and I'm being interviewed on Friday for a job in Mjibung. Right. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Tough. Exactly. Paul, the 12th man. Greetings, earthlings. Greetings, chaps. Mm. And Joe, the tech guy. Good evening, everyone. Right. Well, dear listener, I've had a very busy week with lots of stuff on. And I really haven't had a chance. I'm digging into old stuff here that I've just rehashed from notes. I'm not sure how this podcast is going to pan out because normally I feel a lot more prepared than what I am tonight. So um, we'll see what happens with this one. Anything, <laughs> anything could happen. Um, so in the chat room, if, if you come up with a good comment, you're a be- better than even chance of, of having it read out tonight because I'm, I'm skinny on material. Hello to James, Clinton, John and Don in the chat room already. Thanks for joining in. Say hello, make some comments. Thought I'd start off with a bit of an update on the new Temple of Satan because that's what's been um, keeping me busy. So, um, boy, oh, boy, is there some stuff happening over there. So I am one of the admins on the Facebook page, so I get to see the reach of some of these posts and um, some of them are reaching like 45, 50,000 people in terms of reach. Amazing sort of... Bloody hell. Yeah, amazing... Um, response to a lot of these posts. So, of course, the main topic is Grace Grace, who came out and said that uh, Satanism has never been taught in Queensland schools and never will be on my watch. Changing her name to Disgrace Disgrace? (laughs) (laughs) Very provocative. Yeah. Dear listener, there's a law on the books that says if you're a religion, you're entitled to one hour. (laughs) Perhaps Grace hasn't seen that particular law. And we've not on her watch. She has, she has, because she was warned back in November when she made her comments about the initial sort of, um, uh, sort of press release that was done outside Kelvin Grove. Mm. So there's no excuse. She knows what the law is, and for a minister of the crown to come out and say, "I'm not going to let a particular religion in." Because Seemingly just because I don't like that religion. Um, Her claim was it wasn't a religion and therefore she could discriminate. Yeah. So she's just wrong on that school. So um, so anyway, uh, that is currently, that's kicked off with the Human Rights Commission under the Anti-Discrimination Act. So that was just lodged yesterday on that one. And dear listener, I have to update the website because 
The website describes me as a retired lawyer. <laughs> Guess what? You, you just renewed your practice certificate. You've, you've seen the bat signal in the sky. <laughs> That's it. That's you've seen the pentagram signal. Uh, yeah, the pentagram so signal in the sky. That's it. If you had said to me five, ten years ago, oh, yeah, Trevor, you'll be renewing your practicing certificate in 2021, I would have said no chance. Not a chance. So... That's interesting, the way life turns out. Mm, so, never say never, right? Mm, so, uh, so I've renewed my practising certificate. Um, so I'm now a legal practitioner and able to help out New Temple of Satan with filing these various applications So um, and doing all that. So, yeah, so the one for the uh, Grace Grace, that's already kicked off. We'll see what happens with that. And also we're now up to four schools that have uh, kids in them who have signed up for satanic religious instruction so sunshine coast a couple on the sunshine coast have signed up so they're getting their forms uh being posted tomorrow and their pncs will be advised and we'll see what happens apparently the phone is going off at grace grace's um office and the poor receptionist is just over it with people ringing up saying you just can't say these things so um so, yeah, so that's what's happening there. Hopefully she gives in quickly and we can move on to other projects, <laughs> which includes uh, prayers in Parliament and, and other things. So She's anyway, got no choice but to mm, give in, really, does she? Just a question of when she wakes up and, yeah. I was looking at uh, different decisions that have been given in, uh, for discrimination and there's some quite big financial penalties have been imposed on people. So, Including government ministers? Well, not so much government ministers, but just people who have been found to be in the wrong have oh. had to pay substantial amounts. So when a minister of the Crown sort of does this, it'll be interesting to see. Anyway. Well, that- I imagine Robin doesn't want any compensation. He just wants an apology, doesn't he? He wants her out of the way. Well, he, uh, the first priority is to have the law changed. Mm. Yeah. So that's the main priority. Mm. But hell, if you can pick up some money along the way, why not? So, <laughs> I, I think if it funds the temple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Would that so, be a sacking offence for so, a minister, do you think? I don't know. We'll just, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, if you breach the law of the land, that's not a good look. And claim that, yeah. you know, in, you don't have to follow the law. Yes. In your actual capacity as education minister, it wasn't like she was doing something a little sideline and... no. Got something wrong. It was in her actual role. So. It was in her actual capacity as the education minister that she yeah. was actually answering the questions. So yes. she's really fucked up big yeah. time. Yeah. So um, anyway, anyway. Could it happened to a nicer person. Mm. So that's that. Um, other things are that um, also a school in New South Wales, um, the guy from New South Wales contacted us, and they've got similar problems in New South Wales. Yep. So once we get a bit of time, maybe in a few months, if we have some success here in Queensland, we could move on to New South Wales. Right. Interesting. I do know that, um, I forget which of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monsters was rejected by New South Wales Education mm. Department. Right. Because yeah. they've had to try already. Yeah. But then the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster is not a genuine religion. Well. Careful. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're a genuine adherence. No, because... Uh, none of them actually believe. believe uh, I, I do believe a, the captain has a number of affidavits stating really? opposite. Yeah, stating really? otherwise, yes. Okay, well, then in that case, they could challenge yeah. it. Yeah. And, so, and it yeah. really rests on faith, right. doesn't it? Absolutely. And how mm. do we define faith? I, I think previously it's been held that none of the 
followers actually believe in it. It's 100% satirical. So if she's got evidence that that's not the case, mm. then she so, might have a chance. So she might say to you guys, Satanism is just a made-up religion, and you could yes. say, aren't they all? <laughs> well, that's right, yes. I mean, well, first of all, we'd say, do you believe in Satan? I mean, <laughs> the thing is, Grace, Grace probably does. And if she says yes... Bingo. Supernatural being? What, what's, what's, <laughs> what more do you need? If she says yes, it's a, I believe in Satan. Of course I believe in Satan. Yes. Yeah. So in the chat room, Daniel says, How dare you, Trevor? May the flying spaghetti monster touch you with his noodly appendage. <laughs> good, good Lord. Good Lord. Okay. Um, what else have we got in here? Julia has made a comment. Um, yes, we are, Julia, aren't we? Looking forward to what happens out of all that. Um, so, yeah, so I'm the lawyer for the uh, Noosa Temple of Satan, and I've given myself a title, actually, of the Advocatus Diaboli. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mouthful. Latin for devil's advocate. There you go. Say it again. Advocatus Ad- Diaboli. No relation to avocados. No. No, that's <laughs> key ingredient in guacamole. Yeah. Good. But- and yeah. you're doing the Dark Prince's work, so yeah. well done. Yeah, Robin, if you're listening, get well soon. Robin is, he's quite ill, so he's hes in the wars, but he's hes holding his chin up. But we'll say a prayer for him. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers, Robin, yeah. Also, Prince one, of darkness, Lord one, of evil. One other thing Sorry. came out in the, uh, in this, you know how the pentagram was put up in the Sunshine oh, Coast? Yes. Uh, Lots hospital. of people complained yeah. it was the wrong way up. Lots of people complained it was the wrong way up. Well, the hospital released some sort of press release to the Sunshine Coast um, advertiser or whatever it's called saying, that's, we're not recognising Satanism, that's a Christian symbol. And like totally backtracking that they've recognised Satanism. Really? And they're saying that the symbol there is a Christian symbol and and it's a, an amazing backtrack. So we've got to get down to the nuts and bolts of what's happening there. It's, it's, um, it's, it's quite bizarre how they've sort of, backtracked on on accepting it so we'll see it sounds like they don't like the pressure from the christians and that sort of thing doesn't it indeed it sounds like there might be a few christians in the uh, hospital um, administration yeah that didn't like it who knows we'll get to the bottom of that one Mm. yeah so that's that okay so that's about all on the uh noosa temple of satan update we'll keep you informed if you're not already follow the facebook page over there and see what's happening uh, just some quick general topics. Um, do you think Albanese is in trouble, Scott? Absolutely, he's in right. trouble. You know, mm. you, you don't just come out of the blue and reshuffle your front bench if you don't have anything to worry about. Mm. Yeah, he's clearly worried. Now, um, he seems to have really nobbled his two greatest opponents, being um, Tanya Plibersek mm. and Jim or Luke Chalmers, whatever his name is. Jim. Jim Chalmers, yeah, mm. because they've had significant sections of their portfolio, portfolio yes, stripped, mm. which God alone knows why, but anyway, they have. Mm. Um, I think it's a desperate attempt by him to try and, you know, ride his ship and that sort of stuff, but, you know, I've never liked Albanese. I've thought he's, I've said it before, I'll say it again, he's about as inspiring as a dishcloth. Mm. You know, he's not mm. a very inspiring leader. And mm. I just don't see him, I don't see him lasting to the next election. Now, the problem is neither Chalmers nor Plibersek want to be the one that loses the next election. Mm. 
I think they will realise that the next election is lost. So... (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy if they have. That is crazy if they have. Remember what happened with Anastasia Palaszczuk in Queensland? Basically, people like... Uh, who was the one who that got sacked because of the tra- uh, rental property near the train line? Um, Jackie Trad. Jackie Trad. Sort mm. of the word sort of seems to have been that she held back challenging because she thought that the election would be lost and then she would become leader and then win the next one. And then, of course, Anastasia Palaszczuk wins the election mm. and has now won three of them. Mm. And you know, is one of the longest serving female premiers exactly in the yeah. country. Like. This is not a hard election to win no, against it shouldn't Scott be. Morrison if you are a communicator and can say, okay, Australia's done really well with the COVID crisis, but guess what? Despite you, not because of you, Scott Morrison, mm. it's the states who have you know, done the job. Exactly, and that's, so, that's the whole yeah. point that I think mm. that they ought to, you know, if you, had a, if you had a genuine attack dog on the mm. left who would be prepared to, you know, because let's face mm. it, the, the COVID crisis is now behind us in Australia. It is basically behind us. We've got a, we've got vaccines that are coming out in the next couple of weeks and that sort of stuff. That's when mm. it's going to start. Morrison reckons we're all going to be vaccinated by October, which means the international borders will be open in November and life will return to normal after that. I think November's a bit quick. I think so too. Yeah. Really? I think yeah, that's I think that's a bit quick. Uh, uh, we don't know yet whether mm. the vaccine stops transmission. We just know it stops people getting sick. Exactly. Mm. If, you've got, if you've got 90, 95% of the population vaccinated, then you've only got those hardcore nutters that aren't going to get yeah. that are going to get sick. That sounds a little bit quick, but anyway, anyway. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, the point is mm. that because the because the lion's share of the COVID crisis is now behind us, there is nothing holding back the Labor opposition. They should be able to go for the throat. Mm. I honestly believe that is what he'd been lacking for a very long time: is that no one has gone for Morrison's throat and really tried to rip his organs out mm. but you're sounding increasingly violent <laughs> increasingly violent just colourful so. language you, you could write you could write articles for the spectator <laughs> right, you're going. I don't like Morrison um, no it's you didn't mind him a few years ago I didn't mind him a few years ago but he's yeah. gone completely off the deep end yeah. um, however I honestly believe that Plibersek if she could be unleashed and that sort of stuff, she could go for the throat and she could tear him down. Mm. But I don't think she wants to lose the next election. Mm. Now, I honestly believe that I, I said to this the, to the better half the other day, I said what I think should happen is that Plibersek should stand up, take one for the team, lose the next election, and then she can hand over gracefully to Jim Chalmers and that sort of thing. And oh, then, oh, God. Uh, Another, okay, so a change of leader for Tanya Plibersek, mm-hmm. take a hit and then hand over again. Hand over again, oh, yes. Scott, that's too much. That's, it's not too that's, much. You've, just got to, you've got to accept that you, you, once, once someone loses an election... <laughs> Then they're damaged not, not goods they, and that sort of stuff. So you then got to move on with a new leader. Not if they do a good job. Yeah. I mean, didn't Tell, John Howard lose an election? And John Howard back? lost two elections yeah, yeah. and then came back and he won all so, six or seven. Yeah. Tell that to Bill yeah. Shorten. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, yeah. what about Dr. No? So, well, well, what, what about yeah, him? Yeah, he almost, he almost lost that election, but yeah. he only just... But anyway, I think that's a bit much to say, take a hit and then put in another guy. I think they should just go in and... And take the view they can win it. it, it, it it's easily winnable if oh, they I agree. actually it put is up a fight. Yeah. 
Julia in the chat room says, it's folly to think the pandemic is essentially behind us. Lots more time for things to happen yet. I think I agree with you there, Julia. Sharon says, I wish I could come over. I think Sharon wants to disagree with us. No, Sharon Cole, that's Sharon Cole. She's she's my friend from um, Wales. Oh, right. And I forgot to say this to you too at Christmas time, Sharon, Nadori Clellan. What, what is it? What? Say, Say what? Nadori Clellan. What does that mean? It's Welsh for Merry Christmas. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not Welsh for that Japanese liqueur. Mm. Midori. No, not, yeah. no, not Midori, no. <laughs> okay. Bronwyn says, it's often been the case that women in the Labor Party have been expected to take one for the team. <laughs> Disappointed to hear that said again. Scott. <laughs> Sorry, Bronwyn. Way, <laughs> I'm disappointed as well, Bronwyn. <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, it, it's not that hard to mount an argument and say to people, look, we did well in the pandemic. As a Labor Party, did we ever say anything that would have made it worse? Like, we were clearly supportive of what was done. If we'd have been in charge, you would have had the same result. Now, let's talk about other things. Don't give this guy credit. And the other thing is we would have done better because it was actually the states who took control of quarantining and stuff and so um you could mount a very good argument i, I agree mm. you know i, I just d- got to be prepared to say it exactly and that's the whole point albanese mm. has not said it mm. and if he starts trying to go for the throat now he's just gonna mm. look ridiculous mm. you know <sighs> john i saw your comment we'll get to it with a bit of luck okay um briefly also GameStop, anybody here into uh, playing the market, shorting stocks and things like that? So, no, I'm right. not. I can understand mm. what they were trying to do, though. Mm. You know, allegedly they were taking on the big guys and that sort of stuff. Now, they, mm. had a, they had a fairly spectacular win because, you know, what actually happened, ladies and gentlemen, there was one trading house, was there, that was actually out there shorting the GameStop? Robin Hood was the... Yeah, Robin was the, was was the, No, that's... Robin Hood was the, was the share trading app they were using. was the share trading app that, trading app that the, yeah. they were using. Yeah. Now, they were buying up the stock and that sort of stuff, which was elevating the price, which meant that these guys had borrowed... They had borrowed the shares and they, was, they were agreeing to sell them at a lower price later, mm-hmm. which meant that they had to then spend a hell of a lot of money to buy the shares that they then sold at a loss. Yes. Except they can cover their spread. Sorry? They can cover their spread. Well, if they've hedged, they can. If they, yeah, but they, they hedged, but they, anyway, and they, they would know why they would have hedged as much as the No, because, to. yeah, the, the stock went up to $325 a share or something yeah. like that, and mm. they were selling the 10 bucks, wasn't it? Anyway, it looks like a bit of a win for the small guys, but we've yet to see how it pans out. Anyway, a big, it, it big looks players like a, took It a looks hit. like a bit of a win for the small guys, but you know, they've, they've done it once. They're not going to have to do it again. Eventually, though, the fundamentals of a company like that, so it's like EB Games here, and mm. so GameStop owns EB Games Correct. here. Why is that a bricks-and-mortar store? Why, why would like, – that just doesn't make thought, sense. Yes. Like, that's the sort of thing that's just ideally suited to – Buying online Ooh. from people who are extremely internet savvy. I don't understand why bricks well, and mortar. Well, and you can actually buy through the, um, mm. uh, the the game portals of the apps. The, right. the, you just download mm. them now, don't you? Yeah, you just literally, if you're on Xbox, you download from the Xbox Marketplace yeah. and the same for um, PlayStation. Mm. So it really, uh, the, the big market is in secondhand. Mm. So the other thing I just in passing found interesting was that Robin Hood, the, the share trading app that has no brokerage fee, mm. basically because they sell the data on to groups. Yes. 
so the big players get to see what the little players are doing with the data that Robin Hood sells, and that's how Robin Hood can provide and, and also brokerage free doing instant transactions. Yeah, there was something about delaying the transactions, yeah. and therefore and, they and, possibly and the, made a difference. Yes, and that the prices that you might see on Robin Hood are not as good as you might see in other places as well was one of the other problems. So you just sort of look at this: how can they offer a free brokerage service, but Data uh, is valuable. Yeah. Karen uh, has answered mm. the question. Ah, because the game nerds need some social interaction. <laughs> but they get that, Karen, they? in the game. And don't you don't they? need to smell them either because they don't shower, Dave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan TV says because there are those of us who still buy limited edition versions of the action figures. Can't buy them online. You got a picture? Surely, yeah. uh, uh, buy them from, from Amazon. Yeah. No, no, um, so EB have special editions right? that come with various packages. You can't put them in a box and send them on a courier? Like, it just it seems, like it, it seems like something that's easily sold on the internet. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, particularly when you look at the rents that you've got to pay in these places in Westfields and things it's like that. It's obviously worthwhile. Mm. Well, they wouldn't, be, they, wouldn't be there if they, they wouldn't be there if they weren't making money. They must be making some money. Mm. Karen says, same reason there are still bookstores, I guess. Yeah, because you've got people that actually do like to go into a shop and buy something. Yeah. How long will the bookstores last, I wonder? Well, they're still going, which is really surprising because, you know, Amazon's been... No, who was the... Was Amazon the first place that was selling books? Um, In the US and the UK, yes. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, they've been going around... They've been going on for years. Karen also says, where else do nerds pick up? (laughs) (laughs) That's... Terribly horrible, Karen, but, you know, mm. agreed. But mm. anyway. uh, look, don't bookstores exist just to provide coffee shops in, inside? Isn't, isn't it? I, I think so, yeah. these days. That's what it seems to be, yeah. Okay. I think that's the case. I mean, like, you can honestly see bookstores and that sort of stuff. They're still around. Mm. And what they found was that with e-books and all that sort of stuff, when you turn the page on your e-book, they've got a sound of paper and all that sort of stuff moving. Mm. They are trying to get the whole thing of having a book in your hand, mm. but they just can't. Mm. And what they discovered was during the um, tests and that sort of stuff when they were rolling out ebook readers, what they discovered was that people were reading the ebooks and that sort of stuff while they're on the train. As soon as they got home, they grabbed their book and they just picked it up and they kept reading on their book. And they said, why? And they said, because they prefer the, the tactile mm. feel of the book in their hand. Mm. How about you guys? What do you prefer? If I'm reading fiction, I use a Kindle, mm-hmm. and if I'm reading non-fiction, I, a physical book because I always scribble and highlight oh. on a physical book mm-hmm. for non-fiction. Yeah, I do mm. the same. I bounce between multiple books. I actually mm. like an e-book reader because mm. I can have a whole load of books. Yep. And also, it's great for reference. Mm. I can look stuff up incredibly quickly. Yeah. I tend to keep everything on a Kindle because mm. it's um, all in one place then. Mm. Mm. Right. I, I tried an Audible book uh, recently for yes. the first mm-hmm. time yeah. and quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I still like real books, I have to say. Mm. I, I found um, audiobooks are great for driving. Mm. Oh, mm. yeah, great for driving. Mm. And all right. Let's, uh, um, let's move on to some news. <laughs> um, China and New Zealand. So New Zealand Trade Minister has given some free advice to Australia. And he has said that Australia should show China more respect. So as you know, dear listener, 
China and Australia are mired in several disputes and Beijing has targeted multiple Australian exports with sanctions. Meanwhile, New Zealand formally signed an upgrade to its 2008 free trade deal with China. And the uh, New Zealand minister said, if Australia were to follow us and show respect, I guess a little more diplomacy from time to time and be cautious with wording, they too could hopefully be in a similar situation, he said. Paul, thoughts? Oh, I think the New Zealand foreign minister should uh, go and have a good look in the mirror. And so you, you just... recommend sailing a couple of gunboats up the Ainsy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, not sure what sort of um, analogy you're trying to make there, Joe. But uh, no, I just think it's extremely ignorant of the New Zealand foreign minister to say a thing like that. Um, the Australian government has almost bent over backwards to try and get the Chinese government to talk to them, and they just after, refuse after insulting them. Oh. Jesus, Trevor, you'll never let it go, will you? No, the, well, well, I'm just giving my two cents with it. It was one poorly judged comment from Morrison and mm. and a lot of very uh, considered diplomatic work on the part of, you know, the foreign minister, among others. Mm. And uh, I think the Chinese are just, you know, being mm. difficult. Mm. So for the New Zealand foreign minister to come out and say something like that, I think is extremely ignorant. Mm. What do you think is going to happen with Taiwan? Oh, it's going to be attacked. Right. And what do you think I have will no the response... Where, any idea of a time frame or a... Not really, and, but... And, a, and what do you think the response will I, be? Well, how, how long do you think uh, President Xi has got left? I mean, he's, he's isn't, not, isn't a, he president he's not for an old life? man. Something. Yes, but, you know, we don't, all, we don't live forever. Mm. None of mm. us live forever. Mm. And I'm absolutely convinced that he wants to go down in the Chinese history books, maybe not all, all the history books around the world, but certainly in the Chinese history books as the greatest leader ever in right. China. And he will do that by retaking Taiwan. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I read so many things about China and everything points to that. Mm -hmm. uh, so... And what should the time response... Time frame? I, I don't, I, response, well... I mean, what can the rest of the world do? Mm. I, I think it's inevitable, to mm. be honest, if China is determined to retake Taiwan. I think mm. it's almost an in, inevitability. But uh, what can the rest of the world do? I think just cut China out of uh, international trade, I think, is right. the only yep. option I, I think really we'll available. Send Dior and Piglet, that'll cheer them up. What, Joe? What was it? Send over Eeyore and Piglet. Eeyore and Piglet? Yeah. What, what's that? Do you not know Xi's nickname? Ah, because oh, he looks like... Oh, Winnie the Pooh, doesn't like he? Winnie does. the Pooh, that's right. Yeah. He does because he's... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's a guy, Chaz Freeman, veteran... Let's give his credentials. Veteran US diplomat and public servant who has served in many senior positions, including as Assistant Secretary of Defence for International Security Affairs... U.S. Ambassador to Saudi Arabia, Director for Chinese Affairs at the U.S. Department of State, and as the principal U.S. interpreter during President Nixon's historic visit to China in 1972. So there's a guy with some credentials of some sort. He's not just some crazy podcaster or YouTuber giving an opinion. And um, he said, oh, I'm going to scroll down a bit to the... Um, 
he, he seems to be convinced as well, Paul, that China is going to make a play on yeah, Taiwan. A couple of years ago, yeah. I was I was quite concerned that it was coming sooner mm. rather than later because I don't know if you guys are aware, but uh, the one hundredth. Uh, the centenary, you know, 100-year anniversary of the formation of the Chinese Communist Party mm-hmm. is this year ah, right. in July or August, I think mm-hmm. it was. So I was sort of a little bit concerned that, you know, President Xi wanted to make that the sort of uh, icing on the cake, if mm. you like. But mm. uh, I don't know that they really have enough time to do it now. But um, I don't. next few years, there's that- going to be conflict, absolutely. I don't think China's going to risk a full-blown war with the United States, though. Why wouldn't they? Sorry? Why wouldn't they? You know, okay, that's a good question because I just... They really want Taiwan. I know they really want Taiwan, Mm. but if they do enrage the United States and Biden is not the weak link that the Republicans tried to make him out to be on China, I just don't see that he's going to bend over backwards for them and say, yeah, take Taiwan. Why do the Chinese have to ask for his permission? Well, they don't. But if they... The only way they can go in there blood, relatively bloodlessly... It is won't if, be bloodless. No, it's, you know, the, the Taiwanese military will put up a, a stand for a couple of weeks before they eventually capitulate. They'll definitely fight. Yeah, yeah they will definitely fight. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But if the United States does get involved... Then you're talking about a very long war that's going to drag on for a you decade think, or more. You think it'll, if the, if who gets if the United if the, States if the United States does get involved? Uh, okay, so just back to this article. Uh, what he says is that we basically had agreements with the Chinese that we'd stay out of Taiwan and not assist them in any way. But we've we being the Americans have basically breached our agreements with China. And he says that in response to this, the Chinese have built a formidable capacity to take Taiwan. And my understanding, although I'm no longer privy to classified information, is that every war game, every scenario that we've played with the war over Taiwan has had the United States losing. And you have to ask yourself, what does it mean to win? If you win Taiwan, is it a smoking ruin? It's democracy destroyed? Um, Perhaps it's still separate from the People's Republic of China, but China's not going away. It will rebuild and come back. You know this happened once before in history. People don't seem to know that. In the 17th century, when the Ming Dynasty fell and the Manchu or Qing Dynasty came in, Taiwan was for about 40 years under a pretender Ming government. There were 11 invasion attempts by the Manchus or the Qing against Taiwan. The first 10 failed, cost about half a million troops. The last, the 11th, succeeded. China is not going to give up on this. So there is a real question in my mind about why we're pushing for military deterrence rather than political dialogue in the Taiwan Strait. So he's yeah. basically saying they're not going to give in. Yeah. We can't win. We have to consider non-military The United options. States can certainly inflict a lot of uh, damage on China, but it can't mm. destroy China. Mm. You know, it just can't. You know, the Chinese are not going away. The, the, their mainland is too close. It's That's incredibly right. difficult to mount naval forces and not be blown out of the water in the process. Well, so how many, by a land-based how many aircraft carriers are the Americans willing to lose? Yeah. Because yes. the Chinese mm. have been building an arsenal, an mm. arsenal of um, mm. anti-ship missiles, mm. and they'll just rain down anti-ship missiles until some of them work. You mm. Know? Mm. So Karen in the chat room says, 
The USA is demonstrating how weak it is internally. Sadly, it's almost a perfect time. I don't think Biden has the overwhelming support of the citizenry or the military. Mm. Yep. Who knows? Well, so, I think I've got a lot more faith in American missiles than I do in Chinese missiles. And problem, that's what it comes down to. Is it comes getting them over there. Missiles? Where, where you got, well, you're going to launch them from America, from the US. ICBMs, yes. Oh, well, well, now you're, well, talking, now you're talking nuclear war. Absolutely. Oh, Scott. <laughs> well, we don't have an appetite for that no, over Taiwan. we don't like, have an appetite for that, but that, that is where it could end up. It well, could end up in a, it could end up with the US and China over their missile it strength. It could, but I, d- I don't think either side would go to that level, frankly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think. let's hope not. Mm-hmm. I think it'll just be a very hot war, but not a nuclear one. I mean, they they could use nuclear weapons to sink aircraft carriers. Absolutely, they could. But they, I don't think they even need nuclear weapons for those. They have some very effective... They've got some very sophisticated non-nuclear weapons that they have been developing over the years. They fire them into orbit. They come straight down on top of the aircraft carrier. And blow it out of the water. And make a big hole in it until... And and they would just keep doing it until it sinks. Mm. It's, you know, it's one of those nightmare situations that you hope that both sides do actually yeah. look at it and think to themselves, no, this is not good. Look, 2020 was a bad year with the pandemic, but a, a war with over Taiwan would be a, a worse year. Let's Absolutely. hope we can avoid that. that, that Having said that, I hope somebody does stand up for Taiwan. I hope the, the rest of the, you know, the liberal mm. democratic world does you know, stand right. shoulder to shoulder with Taiwan. Trade sanctions and other things. Whatever, like that. yeah, whatever yeah. that is, is, yes. is available, right. yes, because yes. it would be mm. very sad and not just sad, but I think mm. it would be very dangerous for liberal democracies all around the world if mm. other, say, developing countries saw that, um, you know, nobody was willing to stand up to the uh, totalitarian bully in the neighbourhood Mm. So why would uh, they expect anyone to stand up for them, you know, so? Mm. You know, Daniel Flanagan makes a good point here. US and Australia still don't recognise Taiwan as a country. Hard to believe seeing as which side we'd be on if it kicked off. You know, mm. if it did kick off, we'd, have, we'd end up on the Taiwan, Taiwanese side, I would have mm. thought. Yeah. I mean, it, we mm. treat Taiwan as a, as a country, but we just don't officially recognise it as a country. Mm-hmm. Tiptoe yeah. around that. John Simmons, what Tip-toe. evidence do you have for that glove? W- what are you looking for? Mm. I didn't understand the question. Yeah. I, I didn't what, see what that. Was, what was the reference to, John? Yeah, exactly. Let's move on to um, the state of the world with our sort of misinformation and our tribal media, the way our media has become tribalised. And got this article that I came across which says that um, – it wasn't always so, looking at how people used to get their information. Um, basically, Thomas Patterson, Professor of Government and the Press at Harvard University, said that during the 60s, 70s and much the 80s, Americans listened to one of three national television networks, ABC, NBC or CBS. The only noticeable difference between them to the average viewer was the presenter or anchor in whom the networks invested large efforts to try and secure viewer loyalty. And those anchors were invariably white and male. Studies have shown that there wasn't a dime's worth of difference in their content. There were, there were not any competing narratives. The stories were very similar, the framing very similar. They relied heavily on the Newswires and the New York Times when deciding what the story of the day was. 
So that was back then in the 60s, 70s and much of the 80s. So what happened was uh, one of the key developments was in 1987 there was the scrapping of the Federal Communications Commission Fairness Doctrine which since 1949 had required broadcasters to dedicate equal time to both sides of an issue or to each party. So a bit like how the ABC here in Australia is required to provide equal time, uh, major networks in America were until 1987. So Ronald Reagan scrapped it. And according to Patterson, uh, while most journalists may be Democrat, station owners were likely Republican which allowed the massive growth in conservative talk radio. Radio broadcasters such as Rush Limbaugh very quickly established huge audiences and this medium became hugely influential and hugely profitable. So there we go. That's one explanation. It was a, uh, the sort of a regulation that was withdrawn by Ronald Reagan. And, of course, the internet then allowed the establishment of more and more channels. I wonder what Reagan's motivation was for doing that. Well, he surmised that the station owners were Republican and that they would force Republican programming to be made available. There's also that memo from the guy who founded Fox News um, to the Republican Party, which basically said... Was that like Roger Isles or something like that? I can't remember. Right. But he said um, uh, the American public are naive... And just don't want to filter the information that's fed through them. We need to set up a news station to feed our narrative to them. Right. Yep, that sounds familiar. Not sure who said that, but... um, Yeah, it was somebody who was um, mm. instrumental in setting up Fox News. Mm. Some just decisions like that that might at the time not seem that influential like that decision of Reagan's to sort of make that change, but yeah, later turn out to be hugely yeah, it's, influential. It's spiralled, hasn't it, mm. out of control completely that you've got Fox News. Mm. You know, But is it not the consumer voting with their feet or their eyes in this case and their ears and their brains? Yes. Not that last bit, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's really just saying that... Uh, <coughs> that because you've taken away that fairness doctrine or whatever, yeah, fairness mm. doctrine it was called. Mm. Because you've taken that away, you've now got Fox News no longer is compelled to have the other side of the argument being presented. And the same with MSNBC. Yeah, mm. I know. Mm. MSNBC is now presenting only the left-wing side of things. I think one of the other things is you've got a generation who have grown up trusting the news service because it was relatively trustworthy in what it was saying though and and when the news services become extremely partisan they don't understand that that change and they assume they're getting the same trustworthy news that they got 20 years ago when they're getting something quite different you, so it's tough for older people to to sort of figure that out i think have you gents seen the newsroom the, the newsroom. Yeah. No. Well, okay. The newsroom. I will yeah. bring this DVD over next week. Right. It's very mm. good. It's an HBO presenter. Mm. It's an HBO show. And it starts off with this guy, the, the American uh, Ray Martin, who finally gets sick of just presenting the news in inverted commas. And he actually, he wants to do the news properly. And he's up there at uh, Northwestern and that type of thing. And he's, he 
tears strips off a young girl and that's the stuff who asked the question, why is America the greatest country on earth? Oh, uh, yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. on YouTube all the time where yeah. he, he said, it's said, not. It's and then not. he gives all the statistics of why. Yes, and he, and he says, we used to be great. We yeah, used we to do speak. this. We exactly. put man on the moon, but now we're a heap of shit. And, exactly, yeah. Right. And everybody's standing there yeah. like stunned Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, that, that's where it all starts. It's a mm. very good program. If oh, you would is like that the actual start it? of it? Sorry? That's the start of it. Yeah. Oh, I thought that would be the ending of it. No, right? no, that's oh, the okay. start of it. Is that oh. a series or a movie? It's a series. It's a series. Oh, series. I'll bring the DVDs okay. over for you Jeff, next week. Mm. That'd be good. Okay. Oh, so next week we're watching a TV series instead <laughs> no, of No, you're not watching a TV series. We're doing the podcast <laughs> next week. No, no, we're just going to stream it. <laughs> yes. And read the comments. Mm. Hmm. Paul, do you think it's a problem with free speech in Australian universities? Uh, reportedly, there mm. is some sort of issue. Mm. I've, um, I mean, I haven't been on a, an Australian university much over the last few years, but um, mm. friends of mine who have, as students, have told me that, you know, it's a very, uh, what would you say, tribalistic environment. And right. if you're not... The whole cancel culture thing, you know, the sort of Bettina Arndt thing. Do you think that's a big problem in Australian universities? I don't know how big a problem, but it's mm. certainly a problem if it's there at all, because universities should be encouraging intellectual exploration, shouldn't mm. they? Rather than trying to encourage students to all sort of, you know, fit into the, you know, the, uh, what would you mm. say, the, the fashionable ideologies. But look, mm. I was chatting briefly with uh, an ex-colleague of mine who's a, a guy who was, uh, last time I spoke to him, which is probably a couple of years ago, he was setting off to do his PhD, a really bright young guy. And I chatted to him the other day and, and I said, how's your PhD going? And he said, ah, oh, packed it in. He said uh, he just got so disgusted with the, um, the, the, the lecturers who were mm-hmm. organising, you know, the tutorial groups and things like that. And he said, mm-hmm. he said one, one PhD candidate, you know. But PhD in what was it? Uh, it was something to do with politics. Right, Okay. Um, he said he gave me an example. He said one of the other candidates um, was describing their uh, methodology, their research methodology, and they were going to interview something like five or six um, indigenous people. Five or six. Five or six. And and he was he said he was sitting there thinking five or six. Are you serious? Mm. And he said and the supervisor said, oh yeah, that sounds great. Right. Okay. I mean, this is supposed to be a PhD right. research methodology. And right. he said he just got so... Di- I don't right. think that was yep. everything, but he said he just became so disgusted that he just packed it in. Anyone in the chat room done a PhD? Did you feel pressure to produce work that was in line with the supervisor's way of thinking? It shouldn't happen in a PhD, should it? But I guess there's pressure. Well, you know... Mm. I I don't know if it's pressure so much as just this um, conformity, you know, mm. with the uh, left wing I- ideology. That well, of course there was Doctor Wileyman, Doctor Who, Judy Wileyman. What did she do? She she got a PhD in anti-vax. A PhD in anti-vax. Oh yeah. 
from 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 Trump University? No, um, <laughs> it was one of the Australian universities in New South Wales. Oh, because she was studying the phenomena of anti-vax, not because she was in favour of anti-vax. No, she was in favour. She it was a sociology degree or something, right? And it was about the government's policy and how many vaccine injured people the government's policy was causing, right? Uh, and yeah, it's been slated by people who actually understand epidemiology. Right. But she was still granted a PhD. Okay. Anyway, Chief Justice Robert French did a review of Australian universities and found no evidence of a free speech crisis on campuses. But that didn't stop Conservatives from reporting that it had. Over the weekend, former High Court Chief Justice Robert French AC released his long-awaited report into freedom of speech on campus uh, he did a four-month review, concluded there was no systemic freedom of speech crisis on Australian university campuses, but he did recommend some minor things, basically. Um, but crisis, crisis, what's a crisis? You know, what does he mean by a crisis? Well, if you listen to people like Dan Tian and others, um, you sort of get the impression of, of a crisis at our universities. Maybe more so in America, and some sort of commentators here would like you to think that there's a crisis happening in Australian universities, and sort of Dan Tian was worried enough that he ordered an inquiry into it, mm. and this just, Chief Justice says, well, actually, there's no systemic problem here. There's the odd thing happening now and again, mm. but nothing to, wor- nothing to worry about, basically. Yeah, so there we go. Look, I don't think, if even if there was a free speech issue, I mean, on campus, students just don't go to campus anymore, do they? Like, it's all just done online now. Like, the whole experience of... The whole experience of university has been turned upside down by the mm, pandemic. They are back on campus. It's just the overseas students, aren't they? Right. Yeah, but you've, okay. still, you've still got the option of doing everything externally now. You mm. can just, you know, you can just log into your lecture via Zoom mm. now. But you still have to interact with other students, even if mm. it's online. That's you know, true. So, you've still got tutorials and that sort of stuff. That yeah, and if if you feel like your your lecturer or the the person who's going to be marking your papers is uh, of a certain ideological disposition, you but, might you might feel a little mm. bit worried about like, like the editor of a newspaper, papers. even mm. like the editor of a newspaper. Mm. If you felt they had an ideological disposition, then you'd be more inclined to to write articles. I think mm. that's it bit different, Joe. Mm. <laughs> Quite a bit different. I just want to briefly mention the Magna Carta because we had a discussion a week or so ago about the Magna Carta because you had posted a YouTube video about heresies mm-hmm. and they were really, in my mind, relying on the Magna Carta as a symbol of the beginnings of individual liberty and that was... I thought, hang on a minute, that just doesn't sound right to me. So, but a lot of people say that. It's not just me. Mm. So um, I did a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. So the Magna Carta was agreed to by King John of England at Runnymede near Windsor, 15th of June, 1215. First drafted by Archbishop of Canterbury, Stephen Langton, to make peace between the unpopular king and a group of rebel barons promised the protection of church rights, protection for the barons from illegal imprisonment, access to swift justice, limitations on feudal payments to the crown. Um, In the end, neither neither side 
stood behind their commitments and the Charter was annulled by Pope Innocent III, leading to the First Barons' War. Subsequently, uh, the Charter became part of English life and was typically renewed by each monarch in turn, although as time went by and the fledgling Parliament of England passed new laws, it lost some of its practical significance. At the end of the 16th century, there was an upsurge in interest in the Magna Carta. Lawyers and historians at the time believed there was an ancient English constitution going back to the days of the Anglo-Saxons that protected individual English freedoms. They argued that the Norman invasion of 1066 had overthrown those rights and the Magna Carta had been a popular attempt to restore them. The political myth of Magna Carta and its protection of ancient personal liberties persisted after the glorious revolution of 1688 until well into the 19th century. It influenced the early American colonists, um, which beca became um, supreme law of the land in the New Republic of the United States. Research by Victorian historians showed that the original 1215 Charter had concerned the medieval relationship between the monarch and the barons rather than the rights of ordinary people. But the Charter remained a powerful, iconic document even after almost all of its content was repealed from the statute books in the 19th and 20th century. That's one opinion. So you're right, Paul, there is a sort of, had been a school of thought that this was a document for individual liberty. Dear listener, there's a copy of the Magna Carta, the 1215 edition. It's the great thing. You can find this stuff. So, But it um, still had sim a lot of symbolic you, significance. You, 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 could, you could just read it. Read the text of it. Mm -hmm. It only would be maybe 3,000 words or something like that. And, it, and essentially, as I look at it, it's basically guaranteeing citizens a right to a fair trial and not just to be run over by, by a monarch and that, that basically to be judged by their peers is, is the essentials of it. So you can read it yourself and form your own opinion without actually having to sort of rely on somebody else's interpretation of what the document is. So, so I recommend it to you, dear listener, if you've got an interest in the Magna Carta. This obviously is an edition which has been converted from ye old English um, into more modern English. So just a question from a complete ignoramus here. Mm. You said that this guarantees trial by your... Peers, does it? Does this that, guarantee trial by jury or not? No, it's that's the sort of thing. Um, for example, clause thirty-eight: In future, no official shall place a man on trial upon his own unsupported statement without producing credible witnesses to the truth of it. Okay. So that's the sort of thing. The sort of thing where they used to be just hauled off, and some uh, servant of the king would say, you "You're up for this. this," and in the slammer you go. Yeah, it was exactly. sort of yeah. Mm. So. Um, so it, was, it, it was, contains certain seeds of the concept of fair trial and things like that. Yeah, it was, it was about saying it's not an arbitrary authority mm. of a king that is going to decide what happens. It's mm. going to be the community that decides what happens. But, and I think 39 so, is more important so to that. 39. No man shall be seized or imprisoned or stripped of his rights or possessions or outlawed or exiled or deprived of his standing in any way, nor... Will we proceed with force against him or send others to do so except by lawful judgment of his equals or by the law of the land? Um, yeah, but the law of the land back then was still decided by the king, though, wasn't it? Uh, well, lawful judgment of his equals. It's, it's about taking mm. the law off the monarch and yeah. putting it in the hands of the collective. It's, it's also so, worth noting it does say no free man. 
Yeah. So, yeah. so sla- that slavery means. was still around. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, a, it's an incremental thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it was our first step down that path. Yeah, but sure. I do think that it was... It was it, a significant step along uh, the way to... It was, it's, it's not about individual liberty because it's saying you're going to be tried by your peers, not the king. So you, your liberty could well be constrained, but we're going to decide about it, not... But wasn't it a sort of foundational document for what we refer to as rule of rule rule of law? You know, yeah, rather than yes, just yeah, yes. rule by decree. Yes. Yeah. And the sort of laws I said here: for a trivial offence, a man shall be fined only in proportion to the degree of his offence, and for a serious offence, correspondingly, but not so heavily as to deprive him of his livelihood. Um, here's another one I just picked out. Um, at her husband's death, a widow may have her marriage portion and inheritance at once and without Ooh. trouble. Wow. That's handy. Or this one. If anyone who has borrowed a sum of money from Jews dies before the debt has been repaid, his heir shall pay no interest on the debt for so long as he remains underage, irrespective of whom he holds his lands. That's an interesting one. It is, it? yeah. So there's all sorts of fun stuff in there. There we go, the Magna Carta. So he mentions Jews as yes, big money lenders. Yeah. Indeed, literally. But because usury, literally. usury yeah. was forbidden. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Finishes off the very last one, 63. It is accordingly our wish and command that the English church, English church shall be free mm-hmm. and that men in our kingdom shall have and keep all these liberties, rights and concessions well and peaceably in their fullness and entirety for them and their heirs of us and our heirs in all things and all places forever. That was the agreement. There we go. Interesting. Magna Carta. Mm. I like that you can get to the direct sort of source documents. Make up your own mind. Mm. Mm. Ah. How different was the old English in 1215? Pretty different, I think. That'll be a great question. Yes, I was thinking the same. We should ask Deep Throat. Deep Throat, are you there? Let us know. <laughs> Twelve fifteen. Would it, not if, once. If it was read, yes. If the original was read, would we have understood any of it? Deep throat. That'd be good to know. Okay. Um, right, John. Way back in the chat room, what did you say, John? You want to know about freedom of speech? I think. Let me see, John. So please define freedom of speech or an example of free speech. I really think you all will struggle to find speech without consequence. Well, John, I think we've said, I've said enough times already that there's no such thing as free speech. It is a myth that you don't have absolute free speech. It is constrained by all sorts of things. The state constrains free speech. If I want to organise a terrorist activity by speaking to a group, they'll tell me I can't. If I want to organise a pedophile ring, my free speech will be constrained. So there's any number of criminal activities that your free speech will be constrained. Between people, uh, if I'm doing harm to another individual, the chances are there'll be a law that will stop me if it is a genuine harm. So things like defamation, for example, uh, even a public nuisance, potentially. If there's genuine harm, my speech can be constrained. We've sort of always taken the view that if it's merely an insult to your sensibilities a criticism of your beliefs, um, a judgment of you, then you should have to suck it up and take it like a man. I came across a very... Can I interrupt? Sorry. I'll just finish one more thing. Okay. The other thing is you might enter into a contract of employment where where you say, 
Uh, I'm going to work for you and I agree to keep certain information confidential because it's obviously important to this business that this information is not divulged. There are privacy issues. Uh, I know the names of some parents whose kids have signed up for satanic instruction lessons. Clearly, I'm under an obligation not to disclose that um, because it's private. So there's any number of free speech issues that... Sorry, now you go ahead, Paul. That's all right. Mm. No, I mean, it seems to me that the, the essence of the importance of free speech is that we can express an opinion about something happening in society or, mm. or about something happening in our political system or our politicians themselves without fear of retribution or punishment. To me, that's the essence of it. It's not mm. about, you know, oh, you, you better not, you know, divulge the secrets of your employer. To me, that's, I mean, obviously that is a, a limit on talking about something in that mm. specific context. But to me, free speech is about being able to express your opinion honestly and openly about politics, about politicians, about significant people in society and social trends and movements and all that sort of thing without mm. being punished for it. And I saw a very good example today, uh, an article about um, uh, you guys would recall that the British government undertook to extend uh, the right to permanent residency for several million Hong Kongers. I think it was about three million. Mm -hmm. uh, who's, and they were told if they can get themselves to the UK... They can stay. They can stay mm. virtually indefinitely. Mm. And there's another probably two to three million dependents who would also uh, likely have that available. But how's that to, a free speech issue? Well, I'm getting to it. All right. Sorry. Okay. Several, several Hong Kongers who are making the move now were mm. interviewed and asked, you know, about it. And one of them said... Uh, if, currently if I, in, Hi Kong, in Hong Kong and they were asked. No, currently in the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah. And one of them said, well, you know, here, here in the UK, I have free speech. I can, I can, I can criticise the government. I can, I can say anything I like about the Queen or, you know, any of the royal family and nothing happens to me. Back in Hong Kong, if I say anything terribly bad about the Chinese government, I'm in mm. big trouble. Mm. And to me, that really gets to the essence of it. Yeah, but a lot of, free, a lot of people use free speech or, or the freedom of speech um, without giving due regard to the harm principle, and they want to use it. Uh, it's like freedom of religion. I want the freedom to exercise my religion. Now, of course, that means I don't want to hire gay people as a maths teacher in my religious school, mm. and I don't want to do a whole range of other things, which is under the cloak of freedom of speech or freedom, but... Um, there's always just got to bear in mind the harm principle. Is there a, a harm to another person? And in the matters of opinion of the government, clearly there isn't. And nobody really in our modern Western liberal democracies has a problem with people giving an opinion about the government of the day. Mm. Like we all agree, of course, you should be able to as a matter of free speech. But um, you just got to ask yourself, John, with all these, does this speech involve a genuine harm? to somebody, if it's just an insult to their sensibilities, mm. you've got to wear it. And, in, and in but, a lot but, of people but, these but days take this harm principle to ridiculous yeah, degrees. So the, the grey line, the moving line is, do you see a harm here and how real is the harm? So the classic would be somebody wanting to talk about uh, anti-vaccination sort of proponents. And you might say, well... If they want to have a crackpot opinion about vaccinations, 
let them say it. And my question is, well, is there harm to people here that is realistic or not? And it's a hard one to decide. It's very hard because, it, as we know, the science is never settled. And, you know, some uh, people will say, well, not, that's... Not, not from that point of view, not because of the science, but just the... But vaccinations the, 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 are very directly related to science. And uh, we all know that there have been a number of big fuck-ups in science along the way. Yeah, well, we, we also know if people don't take a German measles vaccine, uh, there's problems. Okay. So for vaccines like that... If an anti-vaxxer comes from America and speaks to a crowd of 50,000 people and we go, oh, we you know, probably know that at least in the audience there's going to be X number of people who don't take a vaccine and as a result there's going to be harm. It's, it's a tricky one to know a realistic level of harm that results from some of these things. Mm. Um, that's, so when that's, in doubt, so let them speak, I would say. That would be yours. Yes. Yes. So you would say when in doubt, shut them down. Uh I'm not as big a – well, this is where I say you're a libertarian because as a libertarian you lean on the freedom side mm-hmm. and uh, – And you lean on the authoritarian and, side. And I lean on – I wouldn't use authoritarian. I have sympathy for victims of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's where I lean. And, and that takes and, us into the victim Olympics inevitably, so, doesn't it? Well, that's if you're exaggerating victimhood, but there's genuine and what victims. Is, you know, there's genuine victims. Then we have victims. to decide what is exaggeration. You know, how yeah. far do you go before it's, we decide it's Because a lot of these things are hard to calculate. They are very hard. So, so, John, to answer your question, the difficulty with freedom of speech comes where there is a potential harm and, the, and it's balancing... How realistic is that harm? How many people? How bad is it? What's the nexus between what's being said with the harm that's potentially resulting? It's These are not easy in many cases. It just depends. Complicated. Mm. So that's where we have our disputes. Mm. But the outlier of that is sort of contractual relationships of employees where there's not a harm principle, but it's what have you agreed to with an employer and what's reasonable in that particular employment. So you might, um, and this is where we have the Israel Folau sort of stuff, where I say that uh, footballers and the like who promote themselves and earn a lot of money as sort of put up as, as sort of idols, as sort of, um, idols not the right word that I'm looking for, but as... Um, Public but, image type. Yeah. Iconic yeah. personalities. And, and so... You could say, you, you know, it's possible for them to enter into contracts of employment where they basically are told, "We're giving you extra special money. Uh, if you say stuff, it may not actually cause harm to people, but it's, it's going to cause us problems where we don't get as much money. So you're going to pay a financial penalty." So, when it comes to employment contracts, I think you can have restrictions on speech that people agree to voluntarily that don't necessarily involve harm. Yeah, but, look, uh, surely there's a difference, though, between, say, working for a technology company and, you know, not talking about, um, you know, important technological, what would you say, information that mm. would have commercial value mm. to others. Mm. I mean, I can, I can understand people being asked to sign non-disclosure agreements for that sort of 
information mm. that but has there's, there's monetary a... value. Mm. But for someone like Israel Falau, he was not talking about anything related to his work. Mm. It was in his free time, and he was talking about his religious beliefs, which mm. had zero to do with his job. So to me, that's a completely different basket. Well, we disagree because well, I think it had uh, everything to do with the character that he was building up. Sorry, Scott. No, you're right. I was just going to make the point that the whole thing with Israel Falau that seemed to get the Rugby Australia offside was that he had deliberately upset their major sponsor, Qantas. Mm. And do you think he set out deliberately to upset well, Qantas? He, I don't asked. know whether he deliberately set out to upset them, but, but he said these. Isn't out. that what you just said? Okay, he set out to uh, he set out he to was recklessly careless gay people. <laughs> he was recklessly careless in that he didn't take into account the fact that the head of Qantas is a gay man who had tipped a hell of a lot of money into the whole marriage equality debate, and. He took no regard into the sponsorship arrangements between Qantas and Rugby Australia. So should we have I, to check the? I, I don't think the CEO's sexuality CEO's was the important part yes, of his life I, so, I don't think that was the important. I don't think the CEO's sexuality was the important either. part. But basically, he made himself distasteful to a significant proportion of the community, mm. and um, and, and as an employer, care. you're entitled to say. Don't do things that will make you distasteful to a significant section of the population yeah, and, and who and we Israel, are trying to sell stuff to. And Israel Folau didn't mm, care, yeah. so that was where it all blew up mm. in his face. In the chat room, Karen says, I don't think harm should be a factor. Words are not the same as violence, and equating the two is dangerous to my mind. Our hate speech laws already govern inciting violence and racial sexual discrimination, etc. Well, Karen, I disagree. I think words can cause genuine harm, and our laws already um, recognise that. So... You just can't ignore the fact that words can cause harm. Mm. There we go. What about silence is violence? Silence is violence. Uh, What's that about? Well, that's something that that I hear a lot of um, social justice warriors say. If you don't speak up against an issue, then you are being complicit with it. That's right. Just forget that. Well, it's in the same category as, you know, words are bullets and, you know. Because people do say things like that. No, that falls into that? that falls into the category of somebody's sensibilities being offended, and it's exactly. it's hardened up. So that's no, but that's that would. I can only think of situations like that. I can't think of genuine harm caused by silence. I can only think of hurt feelings that are not assuaged by somebody standing up for them. So I, I can't wow. see genuine harm arising Some from silence. People were saying that Israel Folau's comments would lead to. Youth suicide and things like that. Right. But where's the, somebody saying silent relevant to that? Well, in other words, if you, if you don't speak up and condemn Israel Folau, then you're complicit, as Joe said. No, I don't. Silence well, I is don't, violence. I don't go for that one. I don't either. No, don't go for that one. Anyway. Um, I'm going to think about what Karen has actually said there. Mm-hmm. I've got to think about that because I understand what she's saying. Yeah, I don't know. I... I yeah, you might have changed my mind a little bit, Karen. I don't know. Words are not the same as violence, and equating the two is dangerous. I agree, Karen. 
but, Word, words can cause harm. Yeah, but don't you think, Karen, that inciting violence is where we're talking about that sort of thing? Like the words that incite violence are just as bad? No, I don't think that's what Karen's referring to. I know she's not. She's saying that words aren't violence, which I tend to agree with. However, I also tend to agree with what Trevor's saying there, that sometimes words can... Like, like words, like just negligent misrepresentation or fraudulent misrepresentations can cost people their complete livelihood. Yeah, fraudulent like rep- misrepresentations can, shouldn't ever be allowed. It, it, as a fraudulent statement where you're conning people out of money can totally ruin somebody's life. You but, could take their entire life yes, savings that's off a, them. That's a deliberate act of deception. That's but, not yeah, but words that's, are violent. But that's an example of words causing harm. Oh. So it's... It's possible for words to yeah, cause harm, but it's not just the words in that case. It's 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 a calculated the, the, without, the, without act. the words, it doesn't happen. But there's, like, but there's intent, so, so you have yeah. to prove intent for yeah. fraud. But it's just an example where words can cause harm. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Like you don't. It, it's harm is not restricted to bopping people over the head with a baseball bat. Like it, words can do immeasurable so, harm, like more than just telling, hurt feelings. Telling children if they if they lose a tooth and they put their tooth under their pillow. This uh, tooth fairy is going to visit at night and leave them fifty cents or something in exchange for the tooth. Well, well, I'm just giving That's you an a lie. I'm just giving an example of a family's and it's complete... deliberate deception. Is that harming the children? Do you think? It's, it's totally insignificant. Obviously, I don't think it's totally but, insignificant. But we would, you know, I'm just giving an example. A family could lose its entire livelihood through words. Yes, but so, as we already. So. Established. Mm. That's through a deliberate act of deception. It's but, not just the words. Oh yeah, but, but it needs the words and the publication of words. Like if you were to defame somebody and say that somebody is a is a pedophile, and you're in a position of power where the word is spread mm. and significant number of people hear it, and they don't hear the retraction, mm. then that can cause enormous harm to somebody. Like reputation is Agreed. important. So. Agreed. So, you know, defaming somebody really badly can be enormously harmful, and that's mm-hmm. just the publication of words. Like, it's, it's, there's any number of circumstances where words can cause harm. I think, I think we'd be going beyond just the words, though. I think Ron and Ben's hit the nail mm-hmm. right on the head here. Another mm-hmm. way in which words can do harm is the case of people who deliberately spread disinformation. Mm. They should not be able to rely on the principles of free speech of, as a defence of for their activities. But I the, agree with you, the problem is had, who decides what is disinformation? And that's the problem. Mm. That's that's really really a fuzzy one. This, this so, disinformation. So in the case of Alex Jones, where he has in court affirmed that he's playing a character and that he has deliberately spread misinformation. This is like Sandy Hook. Yes. Uh, family. So, do you listen to Sandy Hook? Was the uh, the school where the preschoolers were shot, and uh, what was Alex Jones sort of Alex Jones. proposed a theory that there was no such school? Yeah, the, the shootings actor, didn't happen. Um, just, and it was and it was completely made up event. It, it was to take away yeah. guns away from Americans. Yeah, it was a made up event that never happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and so he's admitted in his divorce case mm. where he was painted as a total lunatic mm. by his wife and he stood up in court and under oath said no 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 this is a character i was playing just to get more likes more views wow so he has admitted on deliberate record, misinformation deliberate misinformation there you go well most of us would agree in that case wouldn't we yeah i, I think so mm. yeah um the 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 difficulty is the anti-vaxxers who mm. truly believe that vaccines are causing damage 
are not deliberately spreading misinformation because they truly believe it. Yes. So the question is, how do you differentiate between that? Mm. The religious would claim that atheists are spreading disinformation mm. uh, that is imperiling people's eternal souls. Mm. True. <laughs> so but we need to be very, very careful that we don't bring in hate speech laws that silence mm. our ability to criticise religion. Exactly. Indeed. Or anybody else's mm. ability to mm. silence, you know, mm. to express their views but, on religion or yeah, anything. But when it came to criticising government... We're criticising ideas, essentially. And when it comes to criticising religion or atheism, mm. we're criticising an idea. Mm. And really, criticism of, I- of ideas, you should be, um, so have a fairly liberal view a- of that. Anti-vaxxers should be able mm. to say that vaccines don't work. Mm. Well, is that an idea or is that just a misinformation of fact? Have we reached the beyond the point of... Vaccinations are not just an idea, but they're actual matter of fact. That they, well, I, I would yeah. agree that the, yes. the weight of scientific evidence. So, that's what I would supports. say. So I'd say vaccinations have moved out of the realm of, of of competing ideas and theories into the world of fact. But now mm. you sound like mm. you you want to punish mm. people for having the wrong thoughts, Trevor. If no, they sincerely no, believe, no, that's not what I said. Yeah, but if they... vac- vaccines don't work, if that's their sincere belief, surely mm. they should be free to express uh, 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 their sincere belief. Oh, uh, uh, look, you could have somebody who sincerely believes that Mr. A is a pedophile and he gets up on his radio program and says, Mr. A is a pedophile. That's a bit now, different. No, no. The fact that he sincerely believes it doesn't absolve different. him. No. no. Vaccine, just, a vaccine you, is not no, a person. No, but you're, you're saying if somebody truly believes, does that make no, no, them no. absolved from it? I'm trying to give an example okay. where just because you believe doesn't mean you're absolved from, from responsibility. Yes, but a vaccine is not a person. Getting up and mm. saying, I mm. don't think vaccines mm. work, harms mm. no individual person. Ah, uh, that's, that, no, 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 that's, that's does, open for it, dispute. It does harm that's, people because that's of the problem. No, 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 that's, that's in the abstract. No, that's no, the problem. No, if you no, name a person no. and say, that person no. I've named is yeah. a pedophile, yeah. that's quite a different but, thing no, to saying, I don't believe vaccines work. The whole point of what we're getting to is where is the harm principle and how... How concrete is the is the foreseeable harm? This um, is and it's difficult. I'm sorry, I fear the day mm. when our government mm. makes laws against mm. you know what we can and can't mm. say about mm. scientific you know mm. or technological mm. um, phenomenon. You mm. know. Well, I fear the day when people are not responsible at all for harm that they can cause. Oh, Trevor. No, so, I mean, so, so, you, so you frighten me sometimes. No, but I'm I'm old school enlightenment, Paul. That's not old school. Yes, it is. I'm sorry that's that's the whole the whole point of the freedom from the enlightenment was not laissez-faire freedom. That's the whole point, Paul. Really? It was about a social contract. It was about responsibilities. It was about you don't get to do just whatever the hell you like. If there's a harm, we, we probably should possible. have a, 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 if there's a, a European Enlightenment uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, episode yeah, of the podcast. Do that if if you can if you can find an Enlightenment philosopher who didn't recognise the harm principle went hand in hand with the freedom principle. Like, okay, no, let's if, if you want to say, you see, 
this, this, and this is what we've got to at the very beginning of this discussion was you are all for freedom without restriction, it seems, because I've suggested... I've never said that. Well, I'm suggesting you have to take into account the harm principle and you're poo-pooing me. Well, I'm saying that you sound like you're, you're, you're tending towards outlawing certain types of um, no, no. statement. No, no I'm, 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 I wish we could replay the tape, but essentially I'm saying freedom is not unfettered. You have to have concern for yeah. the harm you might cause to people. Yeah. You don't get to do whatever the fuck you like. I've never said that so, you do, well, Trevor. Well, my, my point I'm is... I'm talking only about people having the freedom to express an opinion. Yeah. I'm not saying that we shouldn't live without any mm. laws or regulations And when it comes to opinions, Paul, if there are opinions about just ideas of a government, mm. yeah. uh, of a philosophy... Of a of vaccine... A, that's an idea. No, as to whether a vaccine works or not, that's, let's move beyond what an idea is. Well, we know that vaccines sometimes don't work, okay? So surely that's a valid um, reason to say people are entitled not to have 100% confidence in vaccines because they aren't 100% effective. I'm we not, know that. I'm not saying they should. Yeah, I understand that, Paul, but don't you think that you've got this situation that, you know, the anti-vaxxers are relying on that study by that guy that's been completely discredited. Andrew Wayfield? Yeah, okay. Whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that actually said that the... MR, no, the... Um, MMR. MMR vaccine caused autism. Yeah. And that has been proven to be complete shite. Great. So we tell everybody that there is a lot of evidence that that guy... Uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. That's the correct counter to that sort of um, wrong information, if, okay. you, if you want to put it so that way. So then if you've got someone coming from the United States who's coming over here on a speaking tour to exactly produce that misinformation, mm -hmm. do you think that he should be still allowed to travel here? Absolutely. So when, does, when, do, when do, do our government start screening people for their ideas before they issue them with visas? Well, if, for example, it's an Islamic terrorist mm -hmm. who is coming to organise a terrorist cell... If he's a terrorist, then he's likely wanted for criminal but, activities. But, but you ask it? the question, when do we stop people for ideas? No, ideas. I'm not talking and, about criminal and, and, activity. I'm just but, talking but about ideas. But he's got the idea this that guy, it's a good thing to have a terrorist cell. No, 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 this guy that Scott mentioned, is he a convicted criminal? No, he's not. Well, then give him a visa. And if you disagree with him, say why. That's completely different to letting in terrorists and you, people. You who... asked the question, when do we stop people? I was no, just giving I you an said, example. I said, when do we stop people based on their ideas, not the criminal activity? And I gave you the example. No, you and, said terrorists. And, and, and well, terrorists are criminals, aren't they? So you're saying, your question then is, when do we... Stop people based on their ideas when just their, ideas, their ideas, ideas are not criminal. No, is just, that what their, you, just when, their ideas. When their ideas are not criminal. That's right. Is that what you say? Yeah. yeah. So, well, I would say to you when there's a, a, enough of a nexus between potential harm from what they're saying. And, and who decides? Well, that's the hard part. It is the hard That's why people end up in courts all the time because... Yeah. One and that's side why thinks, you've renewed your licence. No, that's not why. Grace, Grace is why I've renewed my licence. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, anyway, thank you, John, for um, uh, 
there's stuff in the chat room there. Roman's made a few comments. Yeah, she doesn't like you tonight, Paul, that's for sure. <laughs> Roman, you have to come on one night and have a real go at this. Okay, well, in the chat room, you've done well. It's a little note saying we've got over 100 messages. Um, you've done well. We've rehashed some old ideas of freedom there. Never the twain shall meet on that one. But, hey, we're still friends, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's good. I'm going to call it an early night because really? I really struggled with this one. Because I've been so busy with this. Oh, stuff. it is 8.49, though. Yeah. We've we've gone past it, well past the hour. That's right. So. Haven't had a new patron in a long time. Feel free to join up. Uh, send us some stuff if of interest that you might come across. Talk to you next week. Say your farewells, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in. Bye now. Bye, everyone. And it's a good night from him. Fist, glove, hard bottom here. Well, you two pinky lefto-communist hippies have really crossed the line this time, and I can't allow it. Railing against the free speech of an anti-vaxxer just because he wants to save the public purse the expense of vaccinating little consumers, uh, I mean children? Well, have you thought about your free speech? It may well be preventing Catholics from entering the glory of heaven and spending eternity worshipping God, sitting around on clouds and playing harps. If the Muslims want their virgins, let them have virgins. If the Buddhists want to spin the wheel again, well, spin, spin away. If Ganesh is hungry, let him eat lamb, I say. I'm going to stop you, Cheryl. Call the Pope. Fist, glove, you two have not experienced horror until you have experienced the full weight of a hard bottom crushing you. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone. And, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less but in any event you can subscribe there if you don't like the idea of a regular subscription the website has a link to a paypal donation so you could just do a one-off donation every now and again uh, 
So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners, and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.